This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage process into the 21st century with a fast, easy, and completely online process. Check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com. Monday, October 17th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser, and from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman. Happy Monday, gents. Hey, hey. Earnings Palooza has arrived. Hey, now. It never leaves. Finally. No, it, no, no, it does <laughs> it leave. It keeps expanding. And yeah, like, we what we the recommend heck? you don't invest like that, but it's fun to talk about. Yeah, it, yes, I mean, it absolutely is. Uh, so we're going to get to some earnings, we're going to get to some unexpected. CEO news. Um, let's start with earnings from Hasbro, though. Third quarter. So just applause them real quick yeah, for this. So important to understand that the toy makers <laughs> break out their results by segment. They they will come out and say, "Well, here's what we did in our girls segment, in our boys segment, preschool, that sort of thing." That that's how they do it. The girls segment for Hasbro, getting it done. Yeah. Revenue up fifty seven percent year over year. Well, if there was any question as to whether uh, Hasbro winning that Disney Princesses deal from Mattel uh, a little while back uh, was going to work out well, I mean, this should put it to rest. I think this is a, a surefire indicator that uh, they knew what they were doing. I'm sure they're paying a pretty penny for it, but it's going to result in them making a pretty penny from it as well. So, uh, when management calls it the greatest revenue and earnings quarter in Hasbro's history, you got to feel like maybe they're onto something, and that's what they called it. Um, and as you as you mentioned, the girls' division just continues to get it done. A lot of success in there with the Disney Princess stuff. Uh, interesting, sort of playing off of of Mattel there. Mattel still trying to find success in in Barbie, but but I, I think we've seen a lot of a lot of headwinds lately with with that with that franchise. And so certainly, uh, whenever you can sort of leverage off of the success of another big company, in this case Disney. It gives a lot of of visibility into the coming quarters and the coming years, and and this is all leading up to what seems to be another uh, what will be another successful holiday season for Hasbro. I think what really is impressive with this business is they really do a good job of bringing it all down to the bottom line. And what I mean by that, if if you look just over the past five years, where you can see the top line revenue is up thirteen percent, eh, that's not bad. Uh, net income. Grows thirty nine percent earnings per share grows fifty percent and so that is just a lot of forces at play there. Uh, they're buying back some shares, but they're also just doing a really good job of managing this business and selling toys and and making this leap into sort of this age of technology. Well, two things you mentioned the uh, the upcoming holidays. Um, one of the things uh, that they talked about on the call was the boys segment not doing as well. Part of that had to do with a calendar. Uh, shift in terms of some promotions that they were doing, but they're also pretty optimistic heading into the holidays with the new Star Wars movie, Rogue One, yeah. and and all of the toys that'll lead up to that. Second thing, the company comes out and says, "Oh, this is the greatest quarter ever," and if you work on the communication staff <laughs> for a public company, then sometimes it's your job just to sort of spit like, "What's the best possible spin that we can put on this quarter?" In this case. You've got some rhetoric around how they're describing their quarter, and they're one, they're backing it up, and two, look at the reaction on Wall Street. Shares up eight percent. So we've seen examples of the flip side of that, where a company comes out and it's like, "Here's what was great about our quarter," and investors 
and mass are just like yeah. we don't agree we don't agree <laughs> at all well i've got a couple of very happy little shareholders at home uh my daughters hannah and ainsley have owned hasbro shares for a couple of years now and it's it's a stock that has performed very well for them it's just one of those types of companies you can just sort of Check on it every once in a while, but but generally speaking, I mean they've they've got uh, they know what they're doing. They've they've got access to a lot of popular brands and names, and they're going to just continue to come up with new creative ways to 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 get them out there. You look at this stock and the Disney stock going in opposite directions. How long before Disney considers either taking this in house? Or buying a toy maker, I, you know, and that's an interesting that's an interesting perspective there. And, and I wonder if maybe Disney hasn't really just come to the conclusion that they are better off not owning it and just letting people buy mm-hmm. that that license, right? Because they've had some trouble uh, before, particularly in like the digital space, the yep. games and whatnot. They do pretty well with with the consumer products, but I think so much of that is just. It's it's just so profitable to license that stuff out. Let people come and bid for it. You've got something people really want, and therein lies the value in that intellectual property, right? Mm-hmm. When you have a catalog like Disney has, that really is, is at the end of the day, that's what people want, and they want to take those names and those characters and figure out new ways to get them out there. Let let those let those Hasbro's and Mattels of the world figure figure out how to do that, and Disney can just kind of sit back and let the uh, let the checks come in. Fair enough. Doug Olberhelman, who is the chairman and CEO of Caterpillar, is stepping down. Uh, this is going to take place in early 2017. Uh, Jim Umpleby, Caterpillar apparently has something for executives <laughs> with say. last names that are difficult to pronounce. Uh, Jim will be taking over as the CEO. Um, a couple of interesting things here. One is they're going to be splitting the chairman CEO yep. role. Uh, I think, in general, um, we're we're fans of of seeing those two roles split. I'm a little surprised at the timing here. Um, Oberhelman has presided over a pretty rough stretch if you go back over the last say five six years, but in terms of the stock, I mean, this is a stock that's up nearly thirty percent year to date. What did you think when you first heard this news? Because you watch this space close more closely than I do. Well, first, I thought it's rough couple of days. Not rough couple of days for CEOs, but you see Hershey's is changing the guard at the top, and Rogers Communications doing so as well, all within the last couple of days. Secondly, um, when you look at this company, yeah, it's up thirty percent year to date, but it's it's had a rough couple of years. Mining and energy's been in a cyclical downturn. Mining a little bit longer than energy, um, but you've seen. Metal prices rally uh, so far into this year, mostly precious metals, but also some of the more industrial metals as well. And so maybe people thinking that miners are going to start to ramp up some spending because there has been a lot of there have been a lot of cutbacks over the last couple of years. Um, but when you look at the CEO changing over March thirty first, two thousand seventeen, end of that quarter, um, that that's when they're supposed to start coming out with some new new projections. So I think that they feel like that'll be a time where. Uh, the new CEO Jim Umblebee can come in and kind of take ownership over some things that he'll have um, significant guidance over. So I, I think that um, up front it might look a little um, odd that they're changing the guard right now, but um, if you look at what the company has coming up in the next couple quarters, I think it makes some sense. And to your point about um, us appreciating the separation of um, you know CEO and chairman roles, it's it's becoming a, a much better trend. You look at 21 percent. Um, in 2001, had independent uh, chairman. You're looking at 44 percent in 2012. So that trend is increasing, and it is something that we like in terms of corporate governance. Um, 
In terms of Caterpillar itself, even though it's up over 30% year-to-date, I think it's a great time to look at the company because you're still in a relatively down market for energy and and um, materials, and a lot of companies cold stacking rigs both in the energy market and in mining equipment, um, and so they're just kind of stripping these machines for parts. So right now, no one's turning to Caterpillar for repairs or new machines, but those machines that they're stripping down for parts aren't going to be available once once the cycle flips. So orders are going to start to flow in eventually. Some people think as early as middle of next year into 2018. So for investors with you know, a three, five, ten year time period that maybe you can live through five to ten percent downturn over the next year or so, there could be significant upside because Caterpillar stock is generally a first mover when you look at the changing um, in the cycle. Well, and they made a big bet in China mm-hmm. that did not work out at all. Yes, Oberhelman was can't hide from that. Can't hide from that. Oberhelman was at the top when that happened, yep. but it, it does seem like they have turned the corner and finally put that behind them, both in terms of what that means for operations, but also in terms of their mm-hmm. balance sheet. That's why I was a little surprised at yeah, this. Then sure. again, he's sixty-three years old. Yep. he's been at the company thirty-five years. Maybe I should just take it at face value that he is actually retiring of his own accord, and maybe just deciding, you know what, I'd like to take a break. Well, and they're promoting from within, so it's uh, Jim Umpleby's been there for a long time. He's the head of their most profitable business, the energy and transportation business. So he's coming there with plenty of experience, and uh, they're still they're still spending money on R and D, focusing on automated machinery, connected uh, fleets. So they're helping customers lower cost once they do start buying these um, state of the art machines, which I think will probably happen in the next couple of years. So um, revenues down for like forty percent, peak the trough, um, and that's fairly typical for what you've seen from a company like Caterpillar when you do see that cycle change. So you could be you could be looking at the bottom or near the bottom with a heck of a lot more upside in my mind. All right, a couple of things before we get to our final story. Uh, first, a few weeks ago, I met up with a friend of the show, Eric Rideholm. Uh, he's the executive producer of Pardon the Interruption and Around the Horn and Highly Questionable with Dan Levitard. Um, and I got the chance to watch uh, taping a Pardon the Interruption from inside the control room, which was kind of like being at mission control at NASA. <laughs> it was just it was just phenomenal. I, I think I have a photo on my phone that I took that maybe I'll tweet out. Uh, of just all of the screens in the control room, and Eric and Matt Kelleher and Bonnie Burgo and just the entire team there are just phenomenal. And it's one of those things where, if you watch part in the interruption, I remember I'm, many years ago. I remember uh, hearing an interview with Tony Kornheiser, and he was talking about the show, and he he made a uh, a race car analogy, a, a NASCAR analogy, and he said of himself and Michael Wilbon, like we're really good drivers. But we're driving the fastest car. He was talking about basically all, and and watching Eric and Matt and Bonnie and all those people behind the scenes. You totally get the sense like, oh my God, these are the people who build the car. They maintain the car. They're like they're they're phenomenal. Um, anyway, I mention all this because um, Eric has been working on a new show that starts tonight on Viceland, which is a television network. That I just learned about recently and had to look up on my cable package. Um, but he's working on a new show that starts tonight. It's called Desus and Marrow. And it's uh, weeknights at 11 p.m. Uh, Desus Nice and the kid Marrow, who are, who are two friends from Brooklyn. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how to describe the show 
except to say it is because uh, Eric showed me a rough cut of, of one of the segments. It is unlike anything I have seen in terms of late night TV. <laughs> in so, a good way. In a good way. It is. <laughs> it is. It is very funny. It is, is essentially their these two guys and their commentary of the day's events and that sort of thing, but done in a, an incredibly creative and new way. So, um, so check that out. Eleven o'clock tonight. So is Viceland owned by Disney? I don't know. I, I don't know yeah. because they have Vice Media. Right? Well, I was going to say it sounded like so, I, I, it struck me that maybe it was the the Vice that's affiliated with HBO. Right. But yeah. I I mean I guess are they all tied together? In I, I have no idea. I, I'm just going to be tuning in at eleven. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, secondly, I want to thank uh, Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Um, if you've ever bought a home, you already know what a total pain in the butt that whole mortgage approval process can be. Rocket Mortgage brings it into the 21st century by taking all of the complicated, time-consuming parts out of the equation, making it really easy for you to share your bank statements and your pay stubs with a touch of a button, and you can get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your own financial situation. Not mine, not Taylor's, not Jason's, not Dan Boyd's, your own financial situation. That's what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the best part is you can do it all on your phone or tablet. So, if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home, check out Rocket, Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. Pepsi making headlines today with the announcement that it is cutting back on sugar. And they seem pretty serious about this. <laughs> right now, about less than 40% of Pepsi's drinks in their portfolio have 100 calories or fewer. And the company says that by 2025, that number is going to get up to at least 67%. At least two-thirds of their beverages are going to have 100 calories or fewer. This, I, I, I don't know, this seems like one of those moves that seems like smart business and also smart PR. Yeah, I think I think I think so on both counts. I think that they are that this is a very forward-looking decision. Um, because as as of now, I mean, soft drinks are still fairly popular and doing fairly well, but but the the trend is is very clear and and people are opting more and more for things like waters and teas and, and things like that. And and what's really impressive with this is that when you look they I there was a video linked to this announcement, I think somewhere but it it compared so i think the the adult is supposed to take in something like 6 teaspoons of sugar a day or something like that it was was the recommendation and when you look at all of the drinks out there and and how much more than 6 teaspoons any of these drinks have like i mean you go to starbucks and get one of those hot chocolates you're you're like tripling it and i mean just orange juice something as simple as that um so yeah, I mean, it does seem like that's a lot of empty calories, uh, a lot of unneeded sugar, and they're realizing the health implications. And so, like with anything else, I mean, it, you're seeing cities adopt uh, higher taxes on on sugary beverages like that, and and that's going to help sort of dictate some behavior. I mean, you can see it it works to a degree with smoking, and so with sugar, it'll probably play out the same way. And, and I mean, as as someone who's Trying to monitor his sugar as well. Like I'm steering away from the diet cokes and the cokes and things, and looking more for like waters and teas and seeing my kids 
they, man, they're just not drinking Coke and stuff like that really yeah. anymore. And and so uh, I applaud it. I think it's the right move. I think it's a very forward looking move. And I think the companies that that try to capitalize on this sooner rather than later are, are going to be happy that they did. Well, right now you look at sugar prices up over like near 100 percent year over year, so it might be a good short time, short term decision <laughs> as gonna, well. I was going to um, say one more reason it might be a good business decision. Yeah, yeah. So that and people expect it might continue to rise or at least moderate, but still it'll moderate at a higher price than it usually is at historically. Um, I'm just hoping they start with Gatorade because before I knew how bad sugar can really be for you, I used to drink Gatorade all the time, but it's been several years, so. I'd like to start drinking Gatorade again. <laughs> we, I think we talked recently on on Motley Fool Money about um, about Pepsi. Maybe it was like their latest result, and it, we say all the time, "Well, you know, keep in mind it's a snack company. They own Frito Lay. It's a snack company. It's really half and half. It I is. Mean, I mean, half half of their revenue last year came from beverages. So this is, you know, this is uh, as you said, pretty forward looking. Yeah, and 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 the bottom line is, it's not going to affect affect that salty snack business. Right. I mean, this is something that plays into the beverage side of the business, but the the salty snacks will still be there, thankfully. I mean, thankfully, oh, well. that's that's <laughs> that's where I've been a little bit less successful in trying to curb my behavior, but uh, you know, one step at a time. Jason Moser, Taylor Merkman, thanks for being here, guys. You got Thank it. You. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>